0: Good evening, and welcome. Our first song tonight will be 937. If you can, please let's stand as we begin this evening. You are
1: beautiful beyond description.
0: Number four oh eight, four hundred eight. Mm. No. this evening's prayer, we'll sing number 197. 197.
2: Pray with me, please. Dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, we approach your throne giving you thanks for allowing us to feel and be healthy enough to come and worship you this evening. Father, we pray that what we do here and and what is said here will be beneficial to us that we might learn how you'd have us to be, and Father, that it would glorify you and please you. Father, we thank you so much for the blessings you've given us each day, for our life, our health, for our living circumstances. Father, you've been overly good to us and we love you for that and we appreciate you for that and we want to give back to you father we ask that as we sing we'd sing from the heart help us to give praise to you father as we learn from your word that we would open our minds and open our hearts and take your word in there and make changes in our life father we ask that you'd be with all of our sick There are many in the congregation and many of us have ones on our heart that we would lift up to you and ask that you would bless them, bless their families, help them with their strength and health. Father, please let them come back and worship with us. Father, we thank you for taking care of us in this wonderful nation. We ask, Father, that you would help us to turn the nation back to following your principles and that we might be called a christian nation again go with us through the rest of the service and help us to do better in jesus name we pray amen, amen. the reading chris has chosen this evening is coming from jeremiah 29 Verses 8 through 11. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for they prophesy falsely to you In my name, I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope.
0: Before our lesson this evening, we'll sing I Am a Sheep. If you can, please let's stand as we sing the song
1: i am a sheep and the lord is my shepherd watching over my soul my soul to keep guarding over me ever watching wherever i go and when the winds blow he is my shelter and when i'm lost rescues me, and when the lion comes, he is my victory, constantly watching over me, he is constantly watching over me, we are his children, and he is our father, watching over our souls. Great is his love for his sons and his daughters, watching wherever we go. And when the winds blow, he is my shelter. And when I'm lost and alone, he rescues me. And when the lion comes, he is my victory, constantly watching over me. He is constantly watching over
0: me. Please.
3: Good evening. It's good to see each one of you with us this evening. We are starting a new series I'm calling Twisted Scriptures. Uh, tonight we're going through several of the uh, passages that um, many people in the world will take uh, out of context and use for their own purposes. Uh, and sadly, some of us are doing the exact same thing. So we need to look through some of these passages, get down to the context, and see what it really, what it really means. Uh, we are people of the book. We have, for since the inception of the church, uh, ha- have claimed to be people of the book. We need to know this book. Um, in it, we encounter God. In it, we find words of life and hope and salvation and worship. We need to know this book. And so throughout this series, I hope to maybe shed some light on some of these misunderstood passages, mis- uh, some of these abused passages, and maybe we can use them correctly, certainly. Uh, that's the goal of this, but also to teach us how to interpret Scripture well. Um, it is a modern-day fallacy. It's a, it's a modern-day... Uh, Pandemic of, of misinterpreting, uh, misquoting, and misunderstanding Scripture, and so as people of the book, we one of the things we do is teach. We teach a world how to know God, how to encounter Him. We encounter Him in Scripture and how to interpret it correctly. And so maybe this series will be helpful for you as we encounter some of these some of these Scriptures that that don't say what you think they might say certainly don't say what some of our friends probably think that they say. The first one we're going to go through is Jeremiah chapter 29. So grab your Bibles and and be in Jeremiah chapter 29. The verse we're looking at there is actually verse 11. Um, But again, and you're going to hear me say this time and time again throughout this series, what we really need is to back up and to get the context. Uh, If you can back up and get the context for these passages, a lot of the problems that you encounter... Uh, a lot of the struggles, we're like, I I don't understand what this text means. We'll go back and read the the chapter before it, read the chapter after it, figure out how it fits into the book as a whole. It's Jeremiah, like all the other books in the Bible, have an agenda. And so if uh, you can figure out what that agenda is, then each chapter and each verse and each thought will flow back into that major agenda for that book. Jeremiah, of course, is speaking to exiles. He is known as the weeping prophet. Uh, history tells us that he is one of the ones that sat on a hill next door to Jerusalem and watched the Babylonians tear to pieces. Uh, and he s- sat on that hill supposedly and-, and wrote the book of Lamentations. And, and-, and it's it's this outcrying of Jeremiah's heart. He pours out his heart. He's, he's heartbroken that... Um, that this is ha- that this thing has happened to God's people, but He knew it was going to happen. It's not a surprise to Jeremiah that, that this thing has happened. In fact, He's been the one telling the people that it will happen. There, are of course, there are false prophets uh, throughout the country saying, "Ah, there's there's no there's not there's not going to be any trouble. There's there's going they're, they're saying peace, peace. There's not going to be a war. No invading army is going to come in. God's going to protect His temple." What they had misunderstood was. They were no longer God's people. They hadn't been worshipping him correctly for generations. And finally, Judgment Day for them had come in the form of the Babylonian exile. And so Jeremiah preaches uh, to the people repentance, but really more along the lines of judgment is coming. And there's not not anything you can do about it. At this point, God's mind is made up and this country will go into exile to teach a national lesson. He wants the entire nation to learn the lesson. And this is the only way to teach this particular lesson. So Jeremiah chapter 29, let's, let's read verse 11 just, just to get us on the same page. And then we'll back up and look at the context. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So a lot of times when we read through that passage, when, when you hear that passage today, you'll, you'll see it on the back of T-shirts uh, or, or on banners or on billboards or something. And people are basically saying, <clears throat> as long as you're confident in what you're trying to do, God will bless that. Right? As long as you're, as long as you're trying to do God's, God's will, he, he's going to bless that. It's completely erroneous. It's it's a false view. That's not not what Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is saying. Uh, In fact, this promise is not for you. It's not for me either. It's specific to the nation of Israel in Babylonian exile. It's not for anybody today. There are a lot of passages. There are a lot of principles, especially in the Old Testament. You'll find uh, teachings in the New Testament that are true for For everyone. And in in the Old Testament, we'll talk about these as timeless principles. This is true for them. It's true for me just as much, right? This is not one of those timeless principles. This is specifically directed at the nation of Israel who is currently in Babylonian exile. They thought that God was completely done with them, they thought that the relationship was over. And of course, the books of 1st and 2nd Chronicles teach us that. God's not done with Israel yet. The exile is is corrective in nature. He's not cutting them off. He's trying to correct them. He's trying to bring them back to him. And and they will eventually after the exile is over, they will come back to him in fabulous fashion. We'll talk about that more toward the end uh, of our lesson uh, this afternoon. But just just right here in the beginning, what really is going on here? Well, back up to, to chapter 29, verse 1. Remember, you, you got about. You can't just pull one verse out of the Bible and apply it to yourself. Uh, you'll hear a lot of times um, these, these pastors say things like, "Well, you, get, you just got to claim that uh, claim that promise, right? You Just reach out and claim that promise. This promise isn't for you. You you don't dare reach out and claim it because this isn't for you. It's not about you. Um, and so this this isn't for us. And so who is it for? Well, it's it's for like we've already said the. The exiled nation of Israel. So back up. Jeremiah 29, verse 1. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exile and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then he kind of gives you a, a time marker in verse 2. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. So this is after Daniel had been taken away into exile. This is after King Jeconiah had been taken into exile. Verse 3, the letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, the son of of Shaphan, and Gemara, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. And he goes on for the rest of the chapter. So this, this promise that, that some, uh, some of our denominational friends and, and the backs of t-shirts and those billboards want us to claim, reach out and just grab this promise. It's not for us. It's a letter specifically directed at the exiles in, uh, in, in uh, Babylon. So this is a letter Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in, in Babylon. So this, this passage does not, does not apply to us. On the screen behind me, um, you see uh, this, this uh, it's, it's tiny, this little um, tablet, it's a clay tablet uh, discovered at Nippur, Nippur. It's right next to, it, it's in fact just south of um, ...Babylon, what used to be known as Babylon. So it says, al Yehuda; It's the city of Judah. That's what it says in, in, uh, in Hebrew. Uh, so the city of Judah. And it's basically a land contract. Remember, God told them to buy houses, settle down, plant vineyards, live life. And eventually, in, if you go back through and read this text... ...which, obviously, I think you should right? get context for these passages. So go back through and read all of Jeremiah 29 and really understand this, this passage... But if you go back through and you read what he's saying, he's saying, plant vineyards, settle down, pray for the good of this nation, pray for the good of Babylon, want good things to happen to them, want God to bless them. You're going to be here 70 years. He he literally says that. Go back through and read it. You're going to be here 70 years. It's not the generation that went into exile that's going to come back out. It's their kids and their grandkids. Those are the main ones that come back out of exile. So the promise isn't even really for them. It's for their Subsequent generations, their kids and their grandkids. And so to this first generation that goes into exile, he says, you guys need to plant vineyards, settle down, live lives that are righteous. Marry, multiply. Side note here, marry within the Jewish faith, marry other Jewish people. He still wants them to be righteous and holy. This isn't a get out of jail free card. Uh, They still have to lead righteous lives. But settle down. Pray for the prosperity of Babylon. Want good things to happen to them. Make make good decisions here. Decisions that are beneficial to this nation that has captured you. And this this uh, this clay tablet tells us that they did the exact exactly that. Uh, if you could read Hebrew, <laughs> this this is what it says. It's a land. It's it's basically a receipt. Someone who sold land gave to a Jewish person who bought the land. That's, that's what it says. It's a, it's a, it's a Kmart uh, receipt. <laughs> it's a Walmart receipt uh, from, from 500 years before Jesus was born. Uh, so we know that they did this. Um, they, they had um, land contracts. They, they, they took out loans. Um, they lived and prospered in Babylon just as, uh, as he told them to. So um, you finally get down to our text here in Jeremiah 29. Verse eleven, God still has plans for this people, right? That that's that's the beautiful part of this text. It doesn't mean anything for us today. This is not something we can claim. He, he, we'll talk about that in just a second. But um, the beautiful part here is He still has plans for them. He's not cutting them off. They're not done. He, he's not cutting off this relationship. They're they're no longer His people. No, none of those things are true. He's he's punishing them like good fathers do, but. He's attempting to bring them close to him. And again, once the exile is over, their idolatry problem that landed them in exile in the first place will be gone. They will never again, not even in Jesus' day, do they have problems with idolatry. They have problems with reading the text wrong. They have problems with pride and looking down on people. And as Jesus would say, straining, uh, straining a gnat and swallowing a camel, they were doing things wrong but they were not worshiping false gods. They learned their lesson in the exile, um, the lesson that God was trying to teach them here. Um, One commentator I found, I love the way he phrases this, this generation that comes out of exile, he calls them uh, pioneers zealous for the purity of Israel. I love that image. These guys are blazing a trail that their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren are going to follow. They're blazing a wide trail of purity. Oh, what a beautiful image is that that we should we should be about that work, right? That's a promise we should be claiming to blaze a wide trail of purity for the generations that come beyond us. Absolutely, that's something we can and should be claiming. And that's what they do. Um, the generation that comes out of this out of this exile, they, they eventually do that. Um, so the text is actually more beautiful once you put it in its context, once you, once you read it rightly, it's actually more beautiful than it is just reading it all willy-nilly, if you'll allow me that, that term. Um, he's talking about hope, right? And to them they thought hope was was gone the temple's been destroyed this endeavor it's unfathomable to them this this thing and in fact one of the reasons the false prophets gave that the people bought for the Babylonians not coming in to destroy Jerusalem was that the temple is in Jerusalem God's presence lives there certainly he's not going to allow the his his temple to be destroyed, certainly. That was the false prophet's line of reasoning. And Jeremiah says, well, God left that place a long time ago, just about the day that the entire nation turned its back on him. God's presence left the temple. You guys haven't been concerned about God's presence living with you in generations. And you're awfully concerned with it now, aren't you? And so, but here in Jeremiah 29, 11, he talks about hope. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful thought, right? That that it's still possible to have relationship with God. Purity is necessary. Uh, there's another lesson we can and should learn from Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Purity is necessary because he can't he can't have relationship with sin. He, he he will always hold sin beyond arm's length. He cannot have an intimate relationship with people who are refusing to let go of sin. Purity is necessary to have a relationship with him and that's something that they finally learn may it not be such a difficult lesson for us to learn may he not have to go be forced to go to such incredible lengths to get this lesson through our heads when you rip this verse out of its context and take it as something for ourselves we're we're missing the point. God, the point of God's letter is that they learn from this sin. You don't, you don't get to take God lightly. And that's what they had been doing. They had been treating him frivolously, treating him like he was less than an equal. Um, they treated him as if he couldn't reach them to punish them, or as if he were too feeble to correct them for their sin, or too blind to see their actions. We're saying the exact same thing when we rip verses out of context. That's the danger of ripping verses out of context. In, in the Bible, we encounter the God who is light, He's fire, He's holy, He's jealous, he's, he's the living God. This is not a God to be taken lightly. Um, this is a picture of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the precursor to the temple. His God's presence... Led the nation of Israel through the wilderness in a pillar of fire. He's often pictured as fire throughout the Old Testament. Um, in fact, in Exodus 20, when his presence comes down on top of the mountain, it's pictured as lightning and fire and smoke. And I mean, it's it's in, it's in, it's powerful, right? He is not a god to be taken lightly. And they had taken him lightly. They lived however they wanted to live. They did whatever they wanted to do. They thought whatever they wanted to think, and they didn't care what he said. And that cannot happen. It couldn't happen for them, and it can't happen for us. There are ways to apply this text. But it's not that, well, if I try real hard and and do good things, God's going to bless me. That's what got them in trouble originally. They were confidently, confidently walking through life swaggering through life, happily sinning, doing whatever they wanted to do, expecting God to bless them. That's the common interpretation of Jeremiah 29, 11 today. How ironic is that? And it says exactly the opposite. This is not a God you trifle with. So here's maybe the point that, that you're, you're really asking tonight. So a lot of times we use this verse Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and say, "Well, God has plans for me." Does does God have plans for you? Absolutely, right? He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be transformed into the image of His Son. Um, he wants you to evangelize, right? He wants you to do all. He wants you to increase in righteousness and knowledge of Him. He wants you to become more and more intimate with Him every day. Absolutely, He's got a He's got a plan for you. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Does he have a specific plan for Chris as opposed to Norma or as opposed to uh, Julie or Gary? or who, Does he have a specific plan for each and every one of us? If he does, you can't prove it with Scripture. I can't find it. I think he's got a plan for everybody. I think he's got a plan for a group, the whole world, his creation. Like we talked about earlier, he wants everyone to come to him. Yeah, absolutely. He wants everyone to uh, become More intimate with him? Yeah, absolutely. He wants everyone to be transformed into the image of his son. But I can't find a place in scripture where he says, I have this specific plan for you. Now, what about that one verse uh, where he says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, right? Because that's where my mind immediately went when I started walking through this this train of, of thought. God, does God have a plan specifically for me? Does he care whether I'm a CEO or a janitor? I don't, I don't think he cares. Um, does he care if I live in Proctorville or, or, or Africa? I don't, I don't think he cares. Um, I think he cares insofar as it helps me be righteous, insofar as it helps me evangelize. I think he cares about those things, certainly. Does he care whether I'm wealthy or poor? I don't, I don't think he cares. I think he cares insofar as it helps me live the life that he's called me to live. So what about that verse where he says, well, before you were born, before, while you were still in your mother's womb, I knew you. Yeah, that's in Jeremiah two. That's Jeremiah one, verse five. And so if you flip back over there real quick, um, let's, let's talk about that just for a second or so. Jeremiah one, verse five. Again, context is king. And so as, as, as we walk through this series, Twisted Scriptures, as, people, as we watch people and, and, and cringe as people twist Scripture uh, to their own devices, uh, you're going to hear me say, context, context, context. It's, it's all about context. And so in this one, you don't even have to back up very far. <laughs> it's easy in this one. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me. Came to who? Came to Jeremiah. And, and he said, before I formed you... Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah said, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. And he goes on like Moses to make excuses. But again, this is another text that's specific to Jeremiah. This isn't for us. Not any more than when God told Moses to go in the burning bush, told him to go tell Pharaoh to release the Israelites. If if Jeremiah one five is for you, then you need to be headed to Egypt and telling Pharaoh to release the, to release the Israelites, right? This this passage is not for us. You have to read it in the context. Um, what about Romans chapter eight? Flip over there real quick. These are the two verses that really come to my mind uh, as we're thinking through: Does God have plans specifically for me? Uh, I think of of Jeremiah one, and I think of Romans eight. Um, Later on in this series, we're going to talk about Romans 8, 28, and 29. But right now, I wanted to focus on Romans 8, 29, and 30. So he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So God predestined certain people to do certain things, right? No, He predestined a group that was going to love Him, that was going to obey Him, that was going to serve Him. Yeah, it's called the church. Welcome, (laughs) right? This is the group that, that Paul's talking about here. God knew who was going to be in that Group who's going to be in that church, right? Because it's this omnipotent thing. He knows everything. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean that He causes or, or stirs the pot. He didn't, he didn't make one person come into the church and exclude someone else. That's not what He's talking about. That's an unbiblical idea. He's saying that He predestined, He, he foreknew, He understood before the church functioned, before the church. Uh, Arrived, who was going to be in it, but it doesn't mean that he excluded or included any specific individual. So Romans 8, again, you can't use it to prove that God has plans for you specifically. He does have plans. He wants you to be righteous. He wants you to be holy. Does he care what job you have or what city you live in? Uh, I don't care. I don't don't think so. I don't think he cares. Um, I think he cares insofar as it makes you righteous. Okay, last little bit. I want to do this uh, for most of these lessons. Again, this is um, designed. My hope in this is to kind of help us walk through some of these passages. Um, but I also want to do more than that. I want to help us think through how to interpret the Bible as a whole. And, and so you've kind of walked through these two, these two um Tenets with me tonight as, as we've walked through Jeremiah 29. But these are the two for tonight. And so, if you're, you're taking notes, maybe take a picture of this or whatever. But you're gonna you're gonna hear some of these hopefully in each lesson. Uh, how to tell whether this text is for you or, or not? You're gonna have to figure out what the original author intended it to mean when he writes this passage. What what was he intending you to understand? Not not even what his original hearers understood, but what is the original author, what's the Holy Spirit intend for you to learn from this From this passage, from what he's writing. And you figure that out. Guess how? Context. <laughs> you go back through and you read the, the, the chapter or the book, however far back you need to go to get the context for what's going on. That, that's how you figure this out, what the original author and what did he mean this text to say? What's he trying to, what point is he trying to get across to us? Or to whoever he's speaking to in Jeremiah 29's case? Uh, it's not for us, it's for the nation of Israel that's exiled in Babylon. And so the next question you're going to have to figure out is what does the context mean? Uh, once you've figured out the context, now you gotta, you got to work through, kind of kind of trudge through well what, what, is, what is this? What his, what's, he, what's he mean here? Like, what's, what's his purpose? What, what's his point? What's, what's he trying to teach me in this, this section? Um, and so if you do those two things, you got a great start. There's about 12 or 20 more uh, uh, ways that you can tell whether this text is for you or to interpret Scripture well. Uh, But these are these are a great start. Again, context, context, context. If you're wondering if a section of scripture is for you, read everything around it. Read everything before it. Read everything after it. Figure out what the original author is trying to tell you, what he's trying to teach you. um, And and uh, and then what the context actually means. Like, why did he write this right here? Because he could have put it anywhere in his book. He could have excluded it completely. Why does he include that text, that thought, that doctrine? Um, and and why? What does it mean? What? How does it fit into the rest of the book, the purpose of the book as a whole? So maybe that will be helpful for you. Next time you you hear, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, and you'll, you'll think, oh, I know exactly what that means, um, hopefully. <laughs> and if you've forgotten, you know what to do. Go back through and read Jeremiah 29, right? Uh, context, context, context. That's where that's where it's at. We are people of the book, right? We need to be in it. We need to be reading it. We need to be focused on it. We need to take our time with it. We we can't pay, We can't play fast and loose with Scripture. It has gotten people over the millennia in a lot of trouble. It's what ended uh, uh, Israel in exile. It was just one of the things. Um, and again, this is not a God to be trifled with. He's jealous. He, he's, he's awesome. He, he's frightful. Omnipotent. All-powerful. This is a God that we treat with utmost respect. And when we come to his word, we do every justice possible to it. We don't treat him lightly. Tonight... If you're struggling, we want to aid you in any way we can. Uh, If you want to study the Bible with us, if you want to talk about salvation and baptism, uh, we would love to sit down and study the Bible with you. If you're struggling tonight and you just need the prayers of this congregation, we want to aid you in any way we can. Won't you come tonight as we stand and sing? a good day, hasn't it? Ryan Fuller comes forward uh, this evening. He wants to be baptized. Um, so this is such a good day, man. Um, Ryan has been studying with Catfish. He's Catfish's brother. If you don't know Ryan, he's, he's uh, visited with us several times over the last several months. Um, and and uh, in the background, Catfish has been studying with him uh, for, for a good, good little while now. And he's decided that he wants to put Christ on in baptism, have his sins washed away. We're certainly going to honor that request tonight. You for that confession. We're going to go through this door right here.
0: Let's sing a couple songs while we're waiting. Start with number eight hundred eighty-eight. Eight hundred
1: eighty-eight. We use the book for these. Thank you, Lord, for loving.
0: 463. 463.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice On thee my Savior and my God Well, may this glowing heart rejoice All abroad. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray, and every joy. His actions done. Yeah. Sí.
4: Quick announcements. Um, uh, as a reminder, that uh, Gary's Le- Gary Leaps Life Group will be meeting this evening after services. Um, there's plenty of cookies. I saw uh, Lawson's brought some cookies, so uh, I wanted t- I wanted to take one, but uh, but it looks like a lot of good food. So uh, Life Group Two will be meeting this evening after services. Also, a reminder: Life Group One, that's Rick's Life Group, will be, be meeting next week. Um, after services, uh, Sunday morning services and barbecues on the menu for that. Um, also, next Sunday, uh, Sunday the 12th, will be that middle school and high school devotional at the Trevathan's house. Um, also, men, put on your calendar March 17th and 18th, the men's retreat. Uh, deacons meeting March 19th, and we're still needing a Bible hour teacher uh, for the fifth and fourth and fifth grade. And also, we're needing, huh? and four- and five-year-olds? Okay. And is it the two- and three-year-olds on Wednesdays? Yes. Okay. Two- and three-year-olds on Wednesdays. Um, Also, um, starting this Thursday will be Yoda classes. Um, You can learn how to use the force. I'm, I'm joking. It is yoga classes. There's no Yoda classes. Sorry, kids. Um, also, remember to continue to keep in our prayers. Oh, and the yoga classes are at 530, uh, and they'll meet in the old, old auditorium. Um, updates on our prayer list. Remember to continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus in your prayers, uh, Terry Leap, uh, Jennifer Baker, and Amber Spitzer as they continue with their cancer treatments. Um, also, keep Jamie Estes in your prayers as well, and uh, keep uh, Darrell Hall in your prayers. If you weren't here this morning, uh, he's getting, he came forward this morning, and he's getting surgery Uh, this week so uh, keep him in your prayers as well that's all the announcements I have if you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper it has been prepared in the conference room you may leave and do that now we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer
0: our closing song is number 842 842 if you will please let's stand for our final song A common love
1: for each other.
4: Sunday it has been. Let us pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for another beautiful Lord's day that you blessed us all with, the ability to gather here not once but twice today and to learn more about you and to welcome another soul into what we are, a big family that we call Christians, your sons and daughters. Be with us all as we leave here. Watch over us. Forgive us when we do wrong. Help us to make the right decisions and to always share your love and to show your grace through us in our daily lives. Be with those on the sick list and those who can't gather with us. May we always keep them in our minds. May you always keep your hands over them. Forgive us when we do wrong. In Jesus' name, amen.